This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors. Happy holidays and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, December 27th, 2023 edition. And New Year's Eve is just a handful of days away. We only have two more trading days in 2023. So if you need to make things happen, you don't have much time. So tax loss selling, etc., all of that, even tax gain harvesting. We, we highlighted that a week or two ago on the show and how important that can be. It's also a strategy. So, you know, 2023 is almost in the rearview mirror. And soon you're going to see headlines about the next year, which a lot of people will think will look like the last year. And odds are low that that is true. Every year has its own idiosyncrasies and trends. And you need to be on top of that. And that's what we are here to help you with. Understanding what's going on in the markets, both on a macro level, the broader economy, as well as on a micro level, individual companies and sectors. And then wrapping that in the cyclical nature of markets. I would say there's every asset has its day in the sun. At any given time, there are opportunities. Some are glaring, some are less obvious. But chasing performance is typically not the way to go. But unfortunately, that's how the average person does it. It's not how professionals do it. They understand that over an extended period of time, true value comes from good quality businesses, assets. And so we're here to help you gain the knowledge, gain the tools to identify the asset classes, the investments that fit your needs, your goals. Now, for one person, that might be equities. The other person might be bonds. And both can be good decisions for each. So it's not about chasing the hot thing today, the shiny object. People get caught up in that, the shiny object. It's not what this is about. It's not about the shiny object. It's about, fortunately, stuff that, you know, for most people, it's kind of boring to them. It's not the sexy names, especially in today's economic environment where kind of the old world stocks are becoming more needed, more invoked af after 
decades of underinvestment. And so I'm excited for this hour to answer your finance investment questions and giving you my unbiased perspective developed over 20 plus years of investment experience. Now we're going to run down the market performance today as well as some show topics, but right after we answer our first caller question now. Hi, I'm calling you about Redfin Corporation. On the chart, it looks like it's hitting a 100-day moving average on the weekly. The earnings look like it is getting worse and maybe a head and shoulders pattern forming. I was wondering if this is something that you agree with and if you can tell me any other insight about the company. Thank you. Well, on the pattern part, I definitely don't see a head and shoulders or a reverse head and shoulders. So I, I'm not sure where you're getting that, but it has rallied along with a lot of the small cap names. This is about three. Let's see. Let me pull that up. I had a wrong stock up. There you go. Redfin, $1.2 billion market cap. So right firmly in the small cap space. And that's been rallying with small caps. And it's been rallying as well because rates have come down. Interest rates have come down. And that also is a reason for small caps rallying. And this is a name that has a pretty decent amount of debt compared to its size. About a billion dollars in long-term debt and $1.2 billion market cap. And this is a name that historically has had negative free cash flow, negative profits. And right now the cash flow is positive. That's a good thing. But that's a rarity for this name. Now, you could argue, okay, this recent period where they've produced free cash flow that is going to be sustained. That would be the argument here. But it's only happened for two quarters. Okay. So I don't see a sustainable trend here. Earnings are improving from $2.63 negative, negative $2.63 last year. So it's only lose $0.49 cents this year, only lose $0.69 cents next year. That sounds like an improvement, and it is. But I don't, I wouldn't want to invest in this business. It's rallying. There's going to be some resistance, especially around the $14 level. Now we're at $10.63. So could there be some more upside in the near term, especially with asset markets doing fairly well? Yeah. I see no reason why there can't be short term upside. But this is not an investment because it's not a good business, it's a poor business. Very clearly a poor business. So I'm certainly running away from Redfin. If you want to talk about a short, great. Yeah, potentially a short, but not a buy at this point, unless it's a very, very short-term trade. Now, we have a lot of ground to cover over the next 40 minutes. Time permitting, we're going to get to all of these topics. And our main one is about... How to think about maxing out your 401k and the order of operation. It's not just about straight up maxing out your 401k. Once you get to an employer match, maxing that out, where do you put your money? And how does this play into retirement planning and creating a sensible 401k retirement contribution rate? 
In addition, we're also going to touch on a record U.S. budget deficit in the month of November. What is driving that? Part of it is higher interest rates, but there are other factors as well. So we're going to look at that. Also, gasoline prices are way down from the summer peak last year. And that is likely to feed into consumer optimism. And you actually have seen that as of late. The latest consumer sentiment report was the highest it's been in months. So we're going to look at some data there. And then lastly, is there just a ton of cash on the sidelines waiting to be deployed into riskier assets? We're going to look at some data that could support that thesis. We're also going to touch on a few voice bank questions. One is on the presidential election and the market, as well as Crane, CXT. Now, I'll break down today's market performance right after this short break. But a reminder, we have just a few days left to enter our holiday giveaway to receive a free copy, autographed copy of Steve's book, Above Average Investing for the Average Investor. To enter, all you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as our Instagram account and like and tag three friends in our holiday giveaway post. We will be giving away... Of one book each day until the end of the month. Now, the phone lines are open waiting for your calls at 888-99-CHART. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on Chewy. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying a fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well-run company. And now Luke Guerrero. EBITDA growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi, Steve. 24-7, rain or shine, InvestTalk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Now let's take a look at the market for today. It was a pretty boring day overall. Really, U.S. markets broadly was up about 16 basis points, 0.16%. Small caps did the best once again, up 20 basis points, but not much difference there. A very, very modest update as we close out the year or attempt to close out the year over the next few days. And this is a, a light volume Santa Claus rally type of market. I said this going into November, and that's when the market started to rebound. Even before then, I said, 
you know, we're not far off from Thanksgiving holiday. And typically, if you are up, equities are up going into that holiday, you get the Santa Claus rally. If the mar- if equities are down like they were last year, you typically get a continued sell-off with tax loss selling, etc. Now people are holding off, right? They're holding off, maybe selling until next year to take their gains, etc. That kind of makes it harder if you're trying to buy stocks to find sellers. And in today's world, there's so much automatic purchasing of equities through 401ks and robo-advisors, etc. A dearth of sellers and continued consistent buyers of equities, that means higher prices. Volatility remains low. The interest, the, the big move today was the 10-year. 10-year down nearly 10 basis points. We are now at 3.789%, the lowest level since mid-July, mid-July. And you're going to start seeing mortgage rates back down around six. You potentially could get fives coming up here in the first quarter, right? Five handle on, 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 on your, on a new mortgage. So that's going to certainly change the dynamic of the housing market and overall positivity uh, for the economy as a whole. So Overall, a boring day, but certainly for the bond market, it was a positive, and the dollar was weak. Dollar was was, was pretty weak. The lowest uh, close here, really since early August, and that's also a driver of risk on activity. Weaker dollar is good for asset prices. I know it's paradox. It's paradoxical, but that's the truth. Now let's pivot back to the Best Stock Voice Bank. This for, for this question that came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Hey, Justin, Steve, and Luke. I was calling uh, regarding ticker CXT, that's Crane XT. It was a recent spinoff from Crane Company. And when we take a look at the ticker, they have a little bit of debt from the spinoff, but they seem to be paying it off rapidly because they make a lot of cash because they're the sole provider of money for the U.S. Mint as well as other mints, which is... Seems like pretty standard and stable cash flow for them. I was wondering if you could take a look at the ticker and let me know what you think. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Interesting. Crane XT, a premier industrial technology company that provides proprietary and trusted technology solutions to secure, detect, and authenticate what matters most to its customers. So, talking about production of cash. Obviously, the production of cash has dropped over the years, but still vital to uh, our paper money. A little bit of debt, but not that big of an issue. Earnings this year, $4, excuse me, $4.11. Next year, $4.36. That's down. This year will be down 20% from $5.12 last year. The technicals are fine. I like the business. Turn equity right now, 31%. I have, I have no problem with this. I have no problem with this. We are, it's, yeah, it's a, Small cap main, $3.3 billion market cap. And obviously that part of the market is getting uh, a tailwind recently. So I'm going to give Crane NXT CXT as a symbol a thumbs up. Now we're going into a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. If you're listening via our live stream or on AM 1220 radio in Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888 chart
Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Paul in San Rafael looking at Bluebird Corporation. You own it or looking to buy it? Looking to buy, Justin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, just um, maybe wanted to have been looking at it for a while, uh, and it's done quite well, and I'm wondering if, what your take is. Have I missed the boat, or do you see uh, better, better days ahead for these guys? Well, Bluebird, and everyone it might ring a bell for most people, Bluebird makes the yellow buses that most school districts use to transport children to and from school. And it historically is a pretty consistent performer. You know, I think that the main issue though here is that its business is pretty up and down. They have a little bit of debt in their balance sheet, which is a bit of a worry, but their free cash flow is solid, about $100 million trailing 12 months and a market cap of right around a billion dollars. So that's a solid free cash flow yield around 10, 12%. So I like that. The number of shares outstanding has flattened out. It did go up in, let's see, let me zoom out a little bit. Yeah, it did move higher in 2022, but it's been flat pretty much since then. So that's that's good. They're not diluting shareholders anymore. Their enterprise value to EBIT is about 15.8. That is right along the, the long-term average. So I would say uh, it's about fairly valued based on that multiple. But earnings are expected to rise from $1.07 last year to $1.93 this upcoming year, 2024 fiscal year, $2.34 in fiscal year 2025. So those trends are positive. The technicals are good. If they do earn $2.34 in 2025, I think the stock is definitely cheap. So I like what you're looking at. The technicals have certainly firmed up. It's a bit overbought in the near term, but I, I like this. I, I, I like this old world business and the fact that it's gaining momentum. It does have a pretty large, what we call that the previous caller said reversal or uh, head and shoulders pattern. This has a reverse head and shoulders pattern, which is very bullish. So I don't think you missed the boat. Maybe near term you did, but on a pullback, uh, I like this if you're trying to add some small cap exposure. Thanks for the call, Paul. Now, my focus point is set up by this question. What happens if you've maxed out your 401k? Well, for, we call them super savers, not just the people that save five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10% of their pay in their 401k, but are trying to max that out. Now, everyone should get the full employer max. We kind of know that. That's the basics of financial planning. At least I am. Here's a weird thing about doing this for so long. To me, that's kind of intuitive. I've learned that throughout the years, some of these things are not as intuitive as I feel they are because I've internalized them for two decades plus. But for everyone else out there, maybe you haven't, getting that full employer match is job number one. Then it's on to what is job number two? If I want to save more beyond just my employer match. A lot of people say, max out the 401k, 
in this year it's 22,500 in total contributions. Next year it's 23,000. If you're over 50, you add a 7,500 on top of that. But there are some limitations to 401ks. We know that. And that's where the issue lies. So where do you put money after you get the full employer match? Now, you can do an HSA. That's nice. You get the double taxation if you go and spend that money on qualified medical expenses. So HSAs are a good way to go. Another could be your Roth IRA or traditional IRA. Gives you more flexibility in what you can invest in beyond what your 401k is going to allow, right? You could just open an IRA, traditional, uh, sorry, traditional IRA or Roth IRA at any large brokerage firm and pretty much buy whatever you want. So those are the, probably the first places that you want to look. Then after that, once you've maybe maxed out what you are able to contribute to those, if you have more left over that you want to save, then go back to your 401k and see if you can max that out. And then once you've maxed out your 401k, a traditional taxable brokerage account, I think is underrated. Because you can hold positions for extended period of time and defer capital gains basically indefinitely. And the dividend income that comes off of it is typically taxed at preferential rates, depending on your tax bracket. It's not like income to you. So that's where you go after you max out that 401k. But there's definitely an order order of operation here. If If you have a side hustle, maybe, you have a traditional job, but you have maybe a side business, maybe opening up a SEP IRA or solo 401k, those have larger contribution limits. Now you have to balance out, making sure you get that full employer match, uh, as well as what you can put into the SEP or a, uh, or a solo 401k. So you want to talk to your accountant about that. Uh, but that is another option as well. So there are a lot of strategies here. Everybody's strategy is going to look a little bit different if you're if you're able to save above that employer match. And if you are, then it comes down to a lot of different factors from your long-term goals to your risk tolerance level, as well as your income levels and what you're able to contribute to. So this is where it becomes very important to talk to a financial advisor at some point uh, and lay out that plan because it can really pay off. Now, in the next Invest Talk, we will look into the story behind this question. What's changing for retirement in 2024? That's tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, 
at these prices? Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, Justin, and Luke. John here from Lakeland, Florida. My question is driven more towards politics and the market. With the election year coming, I'm curious about trends in the market as I am a newer investor. As far as trends go in the market, are we seeing similar patterns to what we have seen in 2020, 2016, 2012, et cetera? I know the market is ever changing to adapt. However, I want to know if there are sectors that benefit more than others on a consistent basis in president election years. I know you could spend some time on this question, but you guys are pretty good at summarizing for us. I just want to say I've listened to you guys for about a year and a half now. And quite frankly, I probably won't stop until you guys stop. I appreciate you guys and Merry Christmas. Well, thank you for the kind words and Merry Christmas to you as well. Now, 2024 is an election year and typically election years are positive. Why? Because those that are in power know that it's the economy, stupid. That's the, that's the old saying. Right? It's is the economy doing well or is it? Isn't it? And if those that are in power can help spend a bit more and make the economy feel better going into October, November, then that gives them a better chance of winning. And so spending does tend to happen. Now, that's historically. We're kind of in a new environment for a couple of reasons. One, it's a bitter divide between the two sides. And neither wants to give the other side a win, especially in an election season. So we do have a divided Congress now. And therefore, it's going to be more difficult for you know the Democrats in this case to get additional spending passed. With that being said, in a lot of ways, they don't need to. And that's actually something I'm going to talk about in a minute is the fact that there are a lot of this spending that's happening now is just automatic. It's entitlements that are coming on balance sheet. We've talked, there's been many people talking for decades that there's a lot of what we call off balance sheet liabilities, meaning promises that were made in the future that aren't shown on the books today. But as the baby boomer generation retires and continues to retire, and now the majority of baby boomers are retired, they are collecting Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera. And they're no longer paying into the tax system. And so that is creating a lot of just unlegislated or priorly legislated spending. Okay. So I'll get into the details a little bit more. But, you know, I don't really see the election having a huge impact on the markets. 
outside of if there's a third-party candidate that could disrupt things. Because for as much as Trump talks uh, about, you know, draining the swamp and all that, if you look at his history in the four years, he was outside of the trade, you know, the Chinese uh, trade tariffs, right, or just trade tariffs in general. Outside of that, he pretty much legislated like a standard country club Republican. Cut taxes, that was his big legislative accomplishment. And that's something that most Republican politicians t- try to get past. And he did it. Now, you could argue whether that's good or bad, but that was that's not atypical. And he didn't really change a whole lot of how government worked. Now, maybe because he's more bitter, maybe he does things that are a little bit more extreme than he did before. Maybe he does disrupt the apple cart a little bit more. But you know, I think he's he wants to clack back at his enemies more than change a, a lot of things. Uh, and that's just going based off those, those initial four years. Obviously, Biden would be kind of status quo. But the question is, is there a third-party candidate that comes in that's able to make an impact, maybe throw the Electoral College results into disarray? And then you have some maybe constitutional crisis, or maybe it is a candidate that wins. Because I believe it's six in ten Americans that don't want either Biden or Trump in the future. So I think that's an underrated possibility. Uh, and maybe that person is somebody that will kind of change the uh, the old guard, shall we say. So that's the only way I think the election has a major impact on the outcomes of markets and changing the way markets price in what 2025 looks like. Um, doesn't mean that the election results and events can't change things a little bit and create a little volatility in the short term. But there has to be a major change of what then what the turn trajectory is for that to happen. So I I like the question. It's definitely a difficult one to answer because we're in such a interesting time and you know we're in the fourth turning, right? Things are are, 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 we're going to have a major shift here in the next five to 10 years. Now, is it this election or is it the next election? Could be this election. We'll, not, we'll, we'll, we'll soon find out. Now, in connection with that, let's talk a bit about the budget deficit. And this was reported for the month of November. And the budget deficit jumped 26% in November from a year earlier to $314 billion, And that's above the $301 billion that most analysts had estimated. Federal revenues in November rose $23 billion to $275 billion, up 9%. That's positive. But outlays were up $88 billion. I mean, spending to, to $589 billion, up 18% year over year. And of that $88 billion, $25 billion was an increase in interest payments on government debt. So you're talking about 30% of the increase was simply based on higher interest payments. The rest were, as I said before, 
They've been legislated for decades. National, def- National defense was up $8 billion from a year earlier. But Medicare, that was also up $8 billion to $93 billion. Medicaid programs, that was up $2 billion. The biggest ally, though, Social Security, $122 billion. Up over 10%. So the Treasury year-to-date deficit. So it's only been two. So I don't know if you know this, but uh, the government fiscal year actually ends at the end of the third quarter. So this is October and November numbers. It was up 13% in total. The total deficit year over year to up 13% to $381 billion compared to $336 billion last year. So this is really important to understand. Really is. Because think of the Obama stimulus package. Think about that. What was that, 2010? 2009? 2010? 11? Somewhere in there. First term. It was $700 billion. Now it's supposed to spur us out of the financial crisis. In some ways it did. Right now, the interest on our debt is about a trillion dollars. Just the interest on our debt. And who's that debt owned by? Now, foreigners do own some of that debt, but the majority of that debt is owned domestically. Individuals, investment funds, Banks, corporations, etc. And those are dollars that are being spent. If you actually go back and ever take an economics class and you understand how GDP is calculated, there is a component. Called G. So you CIGS or CIG, CGI, that's what it is, yeah. So consumer spending, C. I is investment. G is government, government spending. And then the last one is net, net exports. So it's a huge part of where GDP is going. So if the government Deficit right now is somewhere close to 6% of GDP. That is a massive tailwind to just the general economy. And it's not anything, like I've said, that Trump did or Biden did. This was legislated. Think of Social Security. This was during the Great Depression. Medicare, Medicaid, that built throughout the years. And now it's a demographic issue, right? The boomer generation, that's why they called it the boom, the baby boom. There were so many children being born at that time. And that has been the dominant force in domestic life for decades now, the boomer generation. Well, now that boomer generation is in retirement for the most part. And this is what is driving government spending. 
and is why we are in fiscal dominance. That's what this is. So the latest report just kind of backs up what I've been saying for months, if not years. Now let's keep things moving and play another caller question from the Best Stock listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin. Hey, Luke. This is Bruce from New York. I hope you both are well. Happy holidays. I was looking at something different and came across CAF, C-A-L-F, which is the Pacer U.S. small cap cash cows. It looks like an equally rated 0.59 expense rated fund that might be perfect for the next six to 12 months. My concern is that it is close to resistance and I really don't want to chase performance. Please tell me what you think. Have a great day. Bye. All right, looking at CALF, this is the Pacer US Small Cap Cash Cow 100 ETF. And this is one of those more, I would call it actively managed ETFs. They're focused on the companies that have good, consistent, or I don't say consistent, that have cash flow. And I have to look at the exact details of how they pick it, but I'm assuming here, because it's the Cash Cow 100 ETF, they're looking at the 100 best cash flowing small cap companies. Now, there is a 59 basis point expense ratio, 0.59% annually. So I understand that much higher expenses than your average ETF, index ETF. So you're paying up for Pacer to pick these top 100 and manage that portfolio. And I think this is much better than the indices. Yes, you're paying up in that cost, but I, costs are one part of it. If you look at the performance, it's pretty darn good. This year, it's up 37.4%. The category is up 18%. Now, last year, this was down 15%, but the category is down 10. 2021, it was up 40%. Category is up 31%. year before that, it was up 16.5%. The category was up 4%. 2019, it lagged a little bit. 2018, it beat. So, four out of the two-thirds of the years, they've outperformed. And it's a value ETF, right? You're focusing on companies that have good businesses, good cash flow. And I like that. And you can see based on its allocation, that it's in more of the old world economy. Technology is only 11% of the ETF, industrials 16, energy 10 and a half. Consumer cycles, 36%. So I like that. No utilities here. So I'm, I'm a fan of this. If you're just trying to get small cap exposure. And you don't want to think of technicals when you're looking at ETF. Technicals, broader trends matter, but sport resistance generally doesn't matter, especially for these active ETFs like this. But yeah, if you want small cap exposure, it's a little overbought, just like the entire market and small caps. But this is a good choice for a small cap ETF. Now, the fourth quarter is rapidly drawing to a close. Just a couple more trading days until 2024. And the question is, are you ready for this next year? 
There's geopolitical volatility. There's economic volatility in both directions. Are you too focused on protecting on a def of a deflationary shock? Are you not en focused enough on protecting against an inflationary shock? Do you have a coherent understanding of the risk that you're taking? The portfolio that you've built, does it have a coherent strategy? Well, if you're not sure, I encourage you to schedule a time with me for a free portfolio review assessment. It's very simple. All you have to do is head over to our website, investtalk.com, click on the portfolio review button in the top right hand of the screen, and you fill that out, and we'll get right back to you. Now, this is InvestTalk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Canon in Atlanta. I started a position in ticker symbol PCAR, PACCAR, roughly about two and a half years ago. And it is up 65% since then, which is great. However, I believe it is kind of run up with the market and not its fundamentals. Sure, it's great, making great money. I love the way it's going. They've paid a special dividend for all three years that I've held it. But what I'm wondering is now, does this seem a little bit maybe too much? Should I go ahead and cash out? This is in an IRA, so there's no uh, no tax consequences. I wonder what you think of this. I have no problem holding it if it's at a, at a good price right now, but I feel as it might be a little too much at the moment. Let me know what you think. Thank you, guys. All right, looking at PACR, this manufactures light, medium, and heavy-duty commercial trucks and related aftermarket parts. And growth is strong, mid-20% range. Earnings at 58% this year to $9.07 all-time high. So it's to have a little setback next year for $7.52, but those estimates are coming up as well. So they have a little bit of debt, but nothing to worry about. $51 billion market cap, so mid to large cap here. Trading at $97.79. Enterprise value to EBITDA is right at about 8.7. Long-term average is at 9.7. So I would say it's still actually a little bit undervalued, to be frank. I see no reason to jump off the ship here. Yeah, it's a little overbought, but the whole market is. So where are you going to transport the money? You know, I think that maybe it's a, a time to maybe trim, right? Maybe rebalance in the overbought situation like this, but to jump off the train completely. No, uh, this is a good business. I like it. Nothing wrong with it. Besides being slightly overbought Re recently, the it's not overvalued. Doesn't have too much debt. Still good. Keep free cash flow. 3 billion trading 12 months on a $51 billion market cap. Not bad. So I'm holding PACAR P C A R. Now, lastly, let's touch a bit on consumer sentiment. And what's interesting is that consumer sentiment recently is on the rise. And the main reason for that is gasoline. The average cost of gasoline, regular gasoline, 
could fall below $3 here in the U.S. in the next few days. That's way down from the record high above $5 in the summer of last year. And this, fairly or not, this drives consumer sentiment. Why? It's because people drive around and that's the economic data point that people see the most. You don't see the unemployment rate every day. You don't see real income growth every day. Even the data points that we as professionals see every day that come out, the average person doesn't pay attention to that. They're not looking at those numbers, especially in aggregate and total and kind of assessing where the market is, like a professional. Unfortunately, most people make decisions off the data that's in front of them. Easily in front of them, that not that they have to go search for. And people make decisions more on vibes than anything else. And then the next most important factor that goes into their optimism around the economy, food prices. That's another aspect that they see more often, they see regularly, maybe not as often as gas prices because you're driving to work, you're driving around town, you probably pass one, two, three, four, five different gas stations throughout your day and see those prices. You might go shop once a week, something like that, and you see that as well, but it's less impactful. It just shows you how food, people spend a lot more money on food throughout the, the month than they do on gas, gas usually, but gas has, a more impact, has more impact on sentiment, consumer sentiment. Now, both of those, fa- those, those numbers, gas prices and food prices, they have come down considerably in, in growth, especially, obviously gas prices have come down, but growth in food prices have come down over the past six to nine months. And that's starting to feed into consumer sentiment. But that's going to be very interesting to see how inflation evolves through the election. Do we get a resurgence in inflation maybe summertime? I think that's certainly possible. I don't think the first quarter you're going to get that because of some lag effects of of, uh, rents and things like that that feed into CPI. But... Could you see another resurgence in oil prices? I think that's certainly possible next year, and that would feed into consumer sentiment, spending, and thus the outcome of the election. Because, as they say, the economy's stupid. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights.